0: I want to start into a series called Thoughts from the Heart, and this will make more sense in a second. In a couple of weeks, I've got a guest speaker coming. His name is Tyler Finley. Tyler's an amazing young man, has quite a testimony, uh, and he is so excited to be here a couple of weeks from tonight. Uh, So just want to give you a heads up on, on that. So it's often said that there is a battlefield in our minds, and in the times that we live in, that would make sense, that there is a battlefield that goes, have you heard that thought before. There's a battlefield in the mind, and there is, but I want to present just a little bit of a different uh, idea or thought when it comes to that, and let's go to our foundation scripture. This might be, uh, be something that you've heard before, but it says, for as he thinks, or you might have heard, for as a man thinks, and we can say as anyone, as a person thinks where? In his heart, and then look at the tale of that. So is he? I want to present to you in this series that there's something that happens in our hearts when it comes to our thoughts. So thoughts are shaping us right now. And I went and found this uh, Play-Doh. Look at that. I like the the lime green kind. So what what do you do with Play-Doh? Eat it. No, you don't eat it. I had to tell my my students when we do Play-Doh in class, I said, don't eat it. Don't put it up your nose. Don't put it up your neighbor's nose. None of that. But what do you do with Plato? You shape it into, and you were in my class, and you know, we made shapes out of it. We did cross sections and vocabularies because Plato can be molded into something different. And right now, our thoughts are shaping our lives. The good news is, well, I don't wanna give you the whole good news, but there is good news when sh- thoughts shape our lives, that those thoughts are cultivated in our heart. So if we look at our foundation scriptures in Proverbs, it says, as you think, not in your mind. It doesn't say, as you think in your in your thoughts or whatever your, your intellect or, or what, it says, as you think in your heart, so are you. So that means that right now, whatever is established in my heart is what's manifesting in my thought life. I want I want to lead you somewhere uh, really quickly tonight because I there's a power to know that my thoughts aren't taking residence in my mind. I think that's a conduit for our thoughts. My thoughts thoughts aren't taking place in my emotions. My thoughts aren't taking place in my circumstances. My thoughts are established, are manifest in my heart. And that's good news. So let's go to Proverbs 4.23 in the Amplified. This is why it says, keep and guard your heart. Circle heart on your, on, your, on your scripture. With all vigilance and above all that you guard for out of your heart flows the springs of life. And wouldn't that make sense? I love the, when the Lord gave me this series on thoughts from the heart is that that's why we guard our heart. There's many reasons that we would guard our heart from people that have ill motives or people that are drama. Anybody know any people that have just, just too much drama and they bring the drama around you? Don't point any fingers or spell their name out in the air. <laughs> that's why it's so important to guard our heart because our heart is the reservoir, the cultivating ground, the fertile ground of where our thoughts are coming from. So that would make sense to guard our heart. And then in the, I like this in the uh, Passion, same scripture, it says, above all, so above all, guard the affections of your heart. Let me show you something real quick here. Because in the scripture, in the Amplified, it says, guard your heart with all vigilance. That makes sense. I like the passion because it says, guard the affections of your heart. And I thought about the affections of my heart. There's a lot of the affections of my heart sitting in this room today, but uh, I'm just going to pick one right now. And that's my boo, my niece, Kennedy. Now, two things. One. If you mess with her in my presence or even not in my presence, if you mess with her, you're not going to like me. (laughs) Just let's make it plain. You're just not going to like me. Why? Because she is one of the affections of my heart. So let's take that a little step further. Why is she the affection of my heart? Because she is above value with me. She has value that cannot be quantified. That my boo is so precious to me, there's not a price tag for my boo. And that's why you're not going to like me in any shape or form if you mess with her. And if, you, if we look in, in what it says in Proverbs, in the, in the Passion, it says, guard the affections of your heart. That means the, whole, the things that you hold dear The things that you treasure, the things that are above worth, the things that have no quantitative value in it, guard it. And and God is saying in your heart right now, in that place in your heart are the affection things. Here's what happens is that we have let, and this is, I'm jumping ahead. We have let outside influences come in and affect the treasures that are inside of us. But before I jump ahead, I already told you, if you mess with her, we're not going to be friends. <laughs> and what would happen if we took the thoughts cultivated in our heart by the Spirit of God and treated those thoughts with the same tenacity we would any other affection in our heart, in our lives? So above all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. I can say without a shadow of doubt, before I read the rest of that, if I'm going through any type of turmoil in my heart, in my thoughts, in my emotions, we can just run the list. If I'm going through, and I have not guarded the innermost part of my heart. I have not been vigilant in it. But the good news, the opposite is true as well. If I guard it, if I cultivate it, if I let stuff in there that is the things of God, then, then I'm gonna produce out of it those kind of thoughts. The end of that scripture in, in the Passion says, for from them flow the wellsprings of life. Doesn't that make sense now? The affections of my heart, the good thoughts, the things I treasure, if I cultivate those in my heart, then thoughts from my heart produce life. I like this, it's just called New Century Version. It says, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Isn't that powerful? Be careful what you think Because your thoughts, here's the good news. Treasured thoughts can lead lead a treasured life. Our thinking will affect what we believe that will determine what we do. Now I'm gonna go, um, I'm gonna do antithesis right here. The person that thinks in a manner that they're unworthy, that they're less than. Can I just make a social media slam right here just real quick because I haven't in a long time. Don't answer this out loud. Don't raise your hand. But if you ever saw something on social media, maybe somebody's, their TikTok, their Instagram, whatever, and you felt less about yourself by seeing what they had, where they were, what they were going through, their diet plans working, I mean, whatever it is. Have you ever felt that? Well, what happened right there? That we let that thinking inside of our heart and it cultivated the wrong thing. No one, listen to this, no one is more influential in your life than you. Now I'm gonna make us take some responsibility here. Can I I make this statement? Those thoughts that keep us up late at night and we allow them to, it's our fault. Because we have to cultivate our own heart. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with that tonight. That no one, I did a series not too long ago, no one communicates more with you than you. You have an inner dialogue, bless the Lord, you have an inner dialogue that of all the people that, that talk to you in a day, no one talks to you More than you. No one is saying things, communicating, and just think about right now. You probably have thoughts going on in your in your in your mind. I wonder if Chick Fil A will be open after church, or what? I mean, what? what, I'm gonna gonna get some Chick Fil A sauce on those Chick Fil A nuggets, and why does Taylor not like Chick Fil A sauce? Because that's part of his life that hadn't been redeemed. So yeah. That are going on all the time. We are the we are the one that communicates with ourselves the most, and so then it becomes our responsibility to be the biggest influencer in our life. You are the loudest voice in your life. Can we help? Do they need something? Can they sit with you guys or something? Y'all, y'all sit back there with them. Good job. Thank you. So I know here. Here's the deal, and I, I had something that happened. Recently, where you know you see social media, and you see in my position when you you've pastored for as many years and pastored, you see people make choices that are just like, Whoa. <laughs> just godless things. And, and you look at that, and it's a great disappointment. And you can beat yourself up and say, where did where did I fail? Where did and the, and. The, That, you are the loudest voice in your life. And I was dealing with that the other day, just saw something dealing with that. What is going on? They just have totally abandoned the things of God. And God said, that's really not any of your business to be lamenting over. Can I say it another way, that anything that in our lives, I've said this before, that doesn't produce hope is under the influence of a lie, but let me apply it to this series. Anything in our life that does not produce hope is not a thought that we should cultivate in our hearts. Many times people are talking themselves into a life that they hate, They've talked themselves into, and next week we're going to talk about specific channels of thinking that are, that are toxic. There's four of them. They're, we're going to talk about how they talk themselves into a life that they are dissatisfied with. And let me make, take it a step further, and I'm going to prove it in a second, that Jesus never created by his blood a life that we would have any form of dissatisfaction with because he has redeemed us by his blood. And if we're redeemed by his blood, then we live in a a place of redemption where our life is blessed by the simple fact that we have a living God on the inside of us. Romans 12.1, it says, stop imitating the ideas and the opinions of the culture around you. (laughs) Can I get an amen on that one? Stop imitating them but be inwardly what? Transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live, I love the passion, a beautiful life. Satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Can we break that down real quick? Stop imitating. And I believe God is saying that to all of us. Stop imitating a culture whose ideas, and I'm going to bring this scripture next week, that lead to death. And, and in Romans, it says why. It says, we should be transformed. That our hearts, that those thoughts from the heart should be transformed by the spirit of the living God. And then why? Because the spirit of the living God will empower me to discern what is good. And do you see that last part? It says living beautiful lives. I I don't I don't know about you, but I've not thought about my life recently where I thought, you know, it's good. There's nothing bad. But if I thought that it's beautiful, that these lives that we're living, these are rede- beautiful lives. Why? Because they should be sat. We should be, when we've been redeemed, we should be satisfied. That doesn't mean that everything has fallen on our lap. That doesn't mean everything has turned out exactly how we want it to be. But are we? we should be at a place of, full contentment. Why, Jonathan? Because the spirit of the living God is on the inside of us. And what does that lead to, the very last of that purse That we are perfect, (laughs) perfect in his eyes. There's a lot of things I am, but perfect ain't one of them. (laughs) But he, he didn't ask me how I thought about me. He declares... He declares redemption over me. He declares salvation over me. To what point that Jesus was the price? He did not spare his own son. And in his eyes, he sees me as perfect. That our thoughts are partnering with one of two, and I couldn't think of a better thing to say, but one of two people, one of two things our thoughts are either partnering with the culture of the fallen world or the spirit of the living God. And I just don't, I don't know how to make it any more just plain to Jonathan, that Jonathan, any thought that's cultivated in your heart that does not bring life is partnering with the culture of a fallen world. And according to Romans, Jonathan, you have the opportunity to live a beautiful life when it partners with the heart of the Spirit of the living God. Now, let me, let me help us with a little step right here that's not in our notes. My job is to cultivate the atmosphere of my heart. God's job is to bring in his presence and cultivate his presence and his goodness in, in my life. But it won't go in reverse. He won't cultivate his presence in my life if I don't cultivate the atmosphere of my heart. Ephesians 5, uh, 26 in the Amplified, it says, so that he might sanctify, and this is talking about marriage, but there's, a, there's a, a premise here I wanna pull out, that he might sanctify her, having cleansing her by the washing of the water of the word. Everybody knows if you plant a garden and you plant anything right now, is anybody that right now my, my lawn looks like... Um, Yeah, everything's dead (laughs) in it right now. And little blades of grass are coming up and I go, thank God, because everything's just winter dead. So what happens is that we have to cultivate that in next week is spring break. So I'm going to have to go out there and get up all those dead leaves. I'm going to have to rake things up and have to trim off dead things in there. I have to cultivate that. What do I have to do? It's going to have to get sunlight. It's going to have to get nutrients. It's going to have to get water. And that's what the Bible says is that we are washed by the water of the word. What if I came in here tonight and said, I have not taken a shower since um, two weeks ago Friday. Who wants a hug? (laughs) There's nobody going to be lined up for a hug. But most people are going to be running for the door. (laughs) Because nobody (laughs) that I know of. I don't care how much of that loom stuff they've been peddling. <laughs> it's better than the shower. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> loomy, whatever that stuff is called. Just take a shower. No, don't you have to take a shower? Put on loomy. No, take a shower. <laughs> so, everybody probably in this room in the last two days, let's just put a little bit of a window on it, has taken a shower, and most of us have taken a shower with water. <laughs> And what does that water do? That water washes away. And the word of God and the word of God says that the word of God is a washing. So in our hearts, it's kind of silly to think that we would have thoughts from the heart that were full of life if we didn't have a steady flow of the washing of the water of the word that comes through the word of God that his presence comes through that our thoughts have wonderful power. Not very many people are saying that these days. Many people are trying to show people how to how to not be victims of their thoughts. And, and I'm not trying to belittle people that deal with things like that, but I'm saying that our thoughts cultivated in a heart that's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and lives under the influence of the presence of the living God, we can count on, if we cultivate that atmosphere, we can count on having wonderful thoughts. And what happens is that, the, and those, uh, and those, I'm sorry, and you have amazing, amazing power over your thoughts. Unfortunately, this takes out, this takes away all of our plans to become victims. (laughs) There's, There's no way that I can have a life that's been redeemed and have thoughts of the spirit of the living God cultivated in my heart where he resides and me still have a plan to somehow have been done wrong. Let me show you what it does. 2 Corinthians 10. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God. Once again, I said God is responsible for his spirit on the inside of us, but we are I am responsible for what I cultivate in my heart. And if anything comes in my heart that is contrary to his word, then this says I can demolish it and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in deviance, defiance of true knowledge, the true knowledge of God. Watch what happens right here. We capture, and the, the passion is so cool, like a prisoner of war. Every thought and insist, here's where the passion pays for itself again, insist that every thought bows in obedience to the anointed one. And you can write Christ there in some translations It's Christ. That every thought, that's, our, that's Jonathan's responsibility, that every thought has to bow to the anointed one. My life is moving in the directions of my strongest thoughts. So if I don't like the direction of my of my life. If I don't like the direction of where I'm going, then I am responsible because I'm the one who has to cultivate that atmosphere. And if I'm cultivating that atmosphere where he is king over everything pertaining me and certainly the, the atmosphere of my heart, if he is king, then my life is going to produce in thoughts. It's going to produce that kind of thought life. And so it's clear that we can, we can have uh, thoughts that lead us in wrong directions, but we've got to do what Second Corinthians says. Take those captive. Make them obedient to the, to, the, to the heart of the anointed one. And then when we take those captive, we cultivate the thoughts that move our lives in the direction of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We did this, uh, what's called professional development, a couple of weeks ago on a Friday. And that's where we presented to other teachers and I had two sessions, uh, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And so I taught three of one session in the morning. And then after lunch, I taught three of the next session to, you know, six groups of people. And at the end of them, they had us, at the end of our slide deck, they had us put a little QR code that gave feedback. I was like, oh, do we have to? They said, you have to put that on there. They don't get credit for your class unless they give you feedback. So I got my feedback back the other day. And it was good. It was, you know, they rated you one through five, and five was good. And then they had different three different ways that they could respond uh, to to your presentation, and um, uh, so you you got all the feedback. It's anonymous. You don't know who came from what. And so I'm looking at mine. I'm like, oh look, five, five, five. Look at that great session. Uh, Jonathan had uh, good stuff and kept our attention. You oh, know, that's good. Good. Next one, five, five, five. Oh, this is good. This and then. You know, many, many of fours and fives and what, And then I got to one line that was one, one, one. Who are you, you little jerk? (laughs) Well, one of two things might have happened. They could have had the number system backwards and thought one was good, five was bad. Or they just didn't like my session. (laughs) I, I mean, I brought cheese balls and Jolly Ranchers. And it was funny. One on there was, I don't remember, it was five, five, five. And then, then they wrote in, love the donuts. I didn't bring any donuts. (laughs) So they were enjoying donuts. There you go. There's a heart cultivated in goodness. (laughs) They're enjoying donuts that aren't there. Maybe they took that cheese ball and thought these cheese balls, donut holes. But of all the people that put 555455, five, 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 good job Jonathan, learned a lot. What do we focus on? Who is that 111? One, one, one. <laughs> Who is it? It's natural human tendency in our culture and the way that we are just designed and part of just being people in a in a you know, a fallen world is that we tend to lean toward the negative. That you could walk in here and somebody says, I, I love that outfit, man, you're looking good. You lost weight, you've been working out. And one person said, hmm, did you get dressed with the lights on? <laughs> and it didn't matter who says, who says what, what are you gonna focus on? That one person that didn't like it, that negative thoughts that are not kept in check, and we're gonna talk about this more next week, produce negative neural pathways. This is just science. And so if I, if Jonathan focuses on whoever that jerk was that did one, 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 if I dwell on that, then watch what happens. Neural pathways do this. That means, and I've, there's a typo here, That that means that if I allow negative thoughts in my heart, it makes it that much easier for the next negative thought to come my way. If we cultivate negative neural pathways, then the next time we get an opportunity to cultivate a negative thought, it's a little bit easier. If we get another one, it's a little bit easier. But the, antith- the the good news is the opposite is true as well. If I cultivate in my heart the thoughts that God thinks towards me, then it's a little easier the next time to believe something even better than what I've already believed in. It's a little bit easier. And what happens? Then from the conditions of my heart, from my heart, thoughts come that are good. Thoughts come that are wholesome, Thoughts come that are encouraging. Psalms 34, it says, and may God the utmost, may, make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. And he will provide you what you desire the most. Watch this, this, this next part, blessed me. Give God the right to direct your life. What does that prayer look like? God, I give you the right to direct my thoughts. I give you the right to cultivate my thoughts. And as you trust him, listen to this, all along the way, I love this, you'll find that he pulled it off perfectly. I'll tell you what happened with me the other day was seeing that, that's, adult that was one time in my student ministry and and has gone the way of the world, I thought, Jonathan, you failed. You failed. And that doesn't line up with that. Because when I was reading this, God reminded me of that thought. And he said, as far as you're concerned, it doesn't matter what anybody else does or says or, or behaves, but as far as you're concerned, Jonathan, every detail of your life, I'm pulling off perfectly. Whew. I don't know about you, but the thought that God is pulling off our life perfectly puts my heart at rest. Because there's a lot, If are you like me? There's a lot that I'm believing God for. There's a lot I'm trusting him for. There's a lot that I'm seeking him for. There's a lot that I'm like, if if you don't intervene, if you don't have your way, this won't make it. But what happens if we set our thoughts in that place where God, no matter how I feel, you're gonna pull this off perfectly. You're gonna make this happen perfectly. So what happens? I, I didn't even go to that scripture, did I? I'm sorry that I determine the atmosphere of my heart. I determine it. How does it come? It comes when I guard the affections of my heart. Now, let me ask you this. If you saw, and I'm just using my boo as an example again, boo is outside in the parking lot. Somebody's out there just pushing her around, pushing her around. And I go out to go to my car and I see somebody pushing my boo around. I was like, hmm, she can handle it. Are you kidding? I'm gonna be dropping my bag, dropping my Bible, I'm bowing up my chest. <laughs> we're ready to rumble. <laughs> Why? Because you have messed with the affection of my heart. And what would it be like when those negative thoughts come in our life, when those thoughts of the impossible, those thoughts of, of how, we're, how things are gonna turn out or how our life's gonna turn out, if we bow up? on the inside of it and say, you will not mess with the affections of my heart. You will not push around the affections of my heart that you're going to have to go through me if you're going to touch the affections of my heart because this heart, this atmosphere, this this, this cultivation of my heart is going to be a heart where the presence of the living God reigns that I determine the, the, the atmosphere of my heart, that my, the heart that is yielded to the heart of God takes on the same power as His thoughts are toward me. Did you hear that? The heart that is yielded to God takes on the same power. Let me just use that one example again, again and again. When I, when I stand in that place and no matter what it is I'm facing, no matter what the thoughts are, no matter what has just happened, that God, you are going to perfectly pull this off. Perfectly. Perfectly. Let me pray for you tonight. God, I just believe right now that you are cultivating on the inside of us every truth that's in your heart. You're just looking for hearts that are ready to rest in you. You're just looking for hearts that are resting in you. And so, Lord, I ask you just to prompt us every time we have that opportunity, every time we're dealing with something that might be overwhelming or uncertain and that the word of the living God, the washing of the water of the word of God would rise up on the inside of us and we would cultivate that atmosphere in our heart that thoughts of goodness start coming up. Thoughts of hope start coming up. Thoughts of joy start coming up. Thoughts of peace start coming up. I believe that's your plan. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.